Hey everybody, welcome back to the Nothing Owed Podcast. Sorry for the gap in episodes. Um, I actually had some last minute traveling I had to do, so I apologize. Uh, we kind of fell behind on our recording. Totally my fault, and I apologize, so I, I beg your forgiveness. But in any case, we are back with a awesome with an awesome episode this week. I know you guys are going to dig this one. It's a repeat guest, but he was definitely someone that we uh, we really appreciated talking to, and we really have an awesome time talking to him, and it's one, he's one of those guys that we feel like we could probably talk for five hours, but um, we will uh, invite him back again and continue the conversation. So today was a, today was a, an awesome episode. I knew you guys are going to dig it. But before we get into that, uh, I have to talk about our sponsors that keep us on the air. So for season three, once again, Modus Nation was gracious enough to sponsor us. So they are the premier sponsor of the Nothing Old Podcast, and they are going to be sponsoring us probably for the, hopefully for the foreseeable future. <laughs> no, they're going to be around for a while. Uh, ben and Lindsay are awesome people. I know I say it all the time, but please check out ModusNation.com. They always have new designs coming out. They always have new shirts, hats, clothing. Uh, sweatshirts coming out, so please uh, go buy some stuff. Even if you don't really need it, just go buy it. Someone will need it. Uh, they definitely deserve your support because they definitely support those around them. Uh, so please uh, check out modusnation.com and use the promo code Nothing Owed for a special discount on the website. So we will greatly appreciate that. One of our newer sponsors for this season is going to be Recycled Firefighter. Uh, trying to get uh, Jake on the show, but he's been busy. But in any case, uh, Recycled Firefighter, he Jake is a fireman, and he decided to make wallets and backpacks and various items, belts and things, out of essentially um, unserviceable fire hose. So he's kind of branched off into some other products that uh, are even better than his originals. But um, he has wallets, keychains, everything else that's made from, you know, recycle or up upcycled fire hose. Uh, so please uh, check out Recycled Firefighter. We have a special link on our website to uh, to go straight there, and we get credit for that. So we would definitely appreciate, uh, you know, if you need a wallet, please uh, check out Recycled Firefighter. And we do have some other honorable mentions that we'd like to uh, talk about because they help keep us on the air as well, and they have offered uh, plenty of support over the uh, last few years. Uh, Winfield Watch, Mark Miller, awesome guy. He was one of our original guests. We talked to him back in season one, but he, he's been a, a great help to us. He's also been very generous with his time, donating to uh, various charities and, uh, you know, helping uh, Ben and Lindsay out with uh, some product. So please uh, check out Winfield Watch. He has some new designs coming out. He has an automatic field watch that he just released, which is awesome. I definitely want to pick one of those up. So please, uh, please check out WinfieldWatch.com. And also, uh, last but not least, I'd like to talk about uh, Cranky Veteran Candles. Uh, I really like their products. Uh, Cranky Veteran. Obviously, they make candles, but uh, if you haven't heard by now, they make their candles with non-toxic materials. Uh, probably wouldn't advise eating it, but if you don't know, most candles have different heavy metals and different chemicals in the wax and in the actual wick. So when you burn these things in your house, you're releasing those chemicals into the air, which you breathe. And for some people, that can cause different allergies and different reactions. But Cranky Veteran doesn't use any of that. All of their stuff is all natural, so you are safe to burn their candles in your house. You're not going to get allergies. You're not going to be breathing in toxic smoke. And if that wasn't good enough, they have awesome flavor, or I should say scents, excuse me. They're always coming out with new stuff. So not only are you getting a candle that, that smells great, it's non-toxic, and you're supporting another uh, small veteran-owned company that is really kicking butt. So please uh, check out Cranky Veteran Candle. So with all that out of the way, let's get into the show. 
Uh, like I said, uh, David Wood is our guest. I know you guys are going to dig this one. He's a, he's a repeat guest, but a really awesome guy. We, we love talking to him. So without any further ado, I'm going to turn it over to myself. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Nothing Mode podcast. We are back with one of our favorite guests, Mr. David Wood. Uh, he needs no introduction. If you're not familiar with him, please go back and listen to our previous episode. But uh, Dave is an awesome dude, uh, former Marine, founder of Vogue Group, uh, just all around badass. So we're really awesome, or excuse me, really excited to have him back. Uh, he's made a lot of changes in his life, so that's why we wanted to, to get him back on, uh, doing a lot of great things with his company. So we're definitely uh, excited for all that. So um, we'll keep it short, but before we talk to David, I'll say hi to Ben and check in with him real quick, and then we'll uh, we'll say hi to David. So Ben, what's new? What's going on? Oh man, it's been a week, but uh, I am, I've been on, on pins and needles waiting to get David back on. I'm so glad he agreed to come back and chat with us. We've become uh, semi friends since, since uh, he was on and uh, last time. And he, you know, I follow his changes from uh, uh, his lifestyle, his location and uh, you know, and the things he's doing with his company. So I'm excited to hear about that. He's got, you know, for, for our listening uh, group or our, our, our listeners, you know, David is the epitome of everything we're trying to do, trying to help people out, inspire people. And, and I, I honestly can't name another guest nor somebody that I know that is more inspiring than him from a, a religious standpoint, from a personal fitness standpoint, from a business standpoint, um, he, he inspires me. So I'm very excited, uh, to, to chat it up with him again. So. Yeah, absolutely. He's definitely uh, takes it to the max in every category, fitness, business, everything. So we're, yeah. we're super excited to have him back. So with that awesome introduction, David, I'm going to turn it over to you. Uh, tell us what's new. Uh, you made a lot of changes, so we want to hear about them all. So it's all yours. Jeez, guys, I don't even know what to say, man. That was really freaking kind. We're not semi-friends, we're brothers. We were... <laughs> brothers right right after right after that last podcast but um love yeah, you dude. every time i every time i talk to you man i feel like we could just be on the phone for hours just chatting about the world and uh you know the things that interest us uh you know like-minded guys so you know hey, man, i'm happy i'm happy yeah, you're here yeah we literally were just on for an hour chatting you were like oh yeah we're doing a podcast <laughs> So, um, and guys, and and I'm stateside for good. So we will we will definitely all get together and 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 throw some 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 lead downrange. Absolutely. So yeah, I I came back to the states um, in Q4. I came back and saw my dad in Knoxville, Tennessee, and we had moved all of our inventory. You know, during I don't remember the last time we talked had the crazy shipping crisis started yet. It was barely it was. kind of, yeah, it was, it was in effect, but it wasn't like, you know, I think it was at the, the start of it, you know? Gotcha. So we, we moved all of our inventory, you know, you know, several 40 foot containers, several million in inventory over from Hong Kong, direct shot right across the Pacific to California, to LA, and then moved it all to um, industry thread works. Ryan Williams, awesome dude, Navy SEAL, a brother of mine, to his place, Industry Threadworks there in San Diego. A container is usually, a 40-foot container is usually 4,700 um, per container, and it's usually five business days at sea. Our containers were 20 grand 
Oh, crap. Container, and it was at sea for 65 days. Yeah. Um, and we got in early. Like, I kind of saw this, this craziness coming um, just from, you know, the, the scuttlebutt from my guys that I still have in the, you know, over the east. And then just seeing what I was seeing being in between the, the old time zones, right? So it used to be 12 hours ahead. Now I was six hours ahead um, of the east coast. So we moved all our stuff over and literally um, we had, you know, another truckload of another boatload of stuff that we were going to sell to China. Well, we still are selling over to China. Um, that was in another warehouse in Hong Kong. And when we quoted that stuff to move over to the States, it was, you know, 65 days past when other stuff had landed and they were quoting 30 to $40,000 per container. And saying it could be at sea for three months, right? I went down, and so I come back Q4 to see my dad, see my family, and I wasn't manufacturing anything. I had put the brakes on. I was just like, okay, I want to see what we're doing with this gear. COVID's been a nightmare. Um, you know, st- shipping FedEx and UPS on a jacket, you know, for B to C from Hong Kong that used to be rel- relatively cheap was now costing, you know. 30 bucks for a Helios to get shipped over, you know, $50 for an Astraeus jacket to get shipped over a hundred dollars for a sandbag to ship and $150 for a ruck to ship. Oh my gosh. So I'm looking as a businessman at my margins and what I've paid to make it in Asia at high end factories. And now what it's costing me to ship it over, how long it's, it's taking to ship over even airship with the, with FedEx, UPS, DHL, you know, EMS, you name it. UPS, which shit's just getting lost. I mean, it, like stuff's getting sent out and it's 45 days later, you know, people are mad. And so I come back over to see my dad. Um, I, I go down to Miami to meet some guys and I'm realizing DeSantis is letting cargo ships come in and, and literally port in Fort Lauderdale and in Miami. And I mean, dude, they're lined up as far as you can see. And he's just saying, we'll, you know, there's no crisis. It's just the administration isn't letting these vessels dock. Right. There are truckers lined up waiting. They're saying there's no truckers. It's COVID. It's just not. It's it's nonsense. It's absolutely a fabricated. um, How are they doing that? How were they, how like were they closing the, just just closing where, where the ships come and where they port? Yeah. If there's usually space for 50 of them to come, they're saying, okay, line up. We can only take one, one at a time. Okay. That's, now, instead of this many cranes yeah. pulling the containers off, there's only two cranes. Now, instead yeah. of the, just totally manufactured, imagine, imagine um, social distancing. As oh, we all container ships. Now imagine social distancing with container ships, with trucks, with freaking forklifts and with cranes. I mean, just to kind of get visually give, yeah. give you listeners an idea. Well, I read an article that said uh, when DeSantos said, hey, bring your ships to, to Florida ports, California imposed a, a law or put some sort of rule or law in effect that said goods being shipped on trucks that originate in Florida can't come into California. Is that, was that true? I don't know. I mean, that, but that's, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Um, anyway, crazy, crazy. But, um, 
You know, I hadn't lived in the States for 17 years. Um, I oh, never wow, that moved, long. Yeah, that long. I never moved over to Asia to do manufacturing. I went over there to do mission work. Like I fell into sourcing manufacturing. I never started manufacturing and sourcing with textiles. I was doing, you know, infrastructure materials, steels, um, threaded rod, yada, 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 this kind of stuff, stuff, different components to build science labs, you know, solar stuff, tech, prison tablets. I mean, you name anything but, but clothing. And it wasn't until I worked for Cryptech Outdoor Group and became their director of Asia that I started understanding camouflage, how to make camouflage, tactical gear, hunting gear, um, you know, cut and sew, fabric creation, and yada, yada, yada. I fell in love with it, and I, and I made Vogue. And we literally launched that out of Hong Kong, had Virtus Outdoor Group, owned by me and several other veterans. Um, but it was a Hong Kong incorporated company. And it was great for taxes. I mean, there's no tax on capital gains. Like there's a flat tax. It's just, you know, it, it is what it is, right? But I had never had a U.S. company in my life, ever. Still wow, had to pay U.S. taxes because I have a U.S. passport. You, you can't escape that from the land of the free and the home of the brave. But um, <laughs> I came over and there were several MOD, DOD manufacturers that never made anything civilian, ever. They do 4 million garments a year. And when I say like 4 million garments, they consider a seven layer jacket system, one garment. So realistically, they're probably doing like in, in my garment count specifications, they're probably doing, you know, a quarter billion garments a year. Right. right? Wow. You know, yeah. um, and they're doing stuff from sleeping systems to, Arctic warfare systems to, uh, you know, making everything for SOCOM. Wow. Yeah. The the highest end stuff. Um, And one of my Navy SEAL brothers said, I want you to go check on some of the stuff that I'm making. I'm making these mesh suits that are aluminized that can, you know, keep you invisible under any, you know, you, you have no heat signal, no heat signature. And so I go out and I meet these guys to kind of do some QC for him. And the factory is an hour drive from where I'm at, from my dad's house where I was staying. And I just, dude, I, I, I go in this factory. I've never been in an American factory, by the way. I go in there. It Marine pictures everywhere. My son is, was in Iraq, this and that. A freaking, you know, young inked up Marine running one section of it that, that was in Afghanistan when I was in Afghanistan. Right, um, right. Just, you know, black, white, brown, freaking cats, just multicultural, everybody happy, everybody, just, I've never seen anything like this. Like young people, old people, like just like a family. And Biden had given all of their contracts and still has to the prisons for slave labor, you might as well just say. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. I hate to say it, but it was such a blessing for me because I was immediately able to bring my company over to immediately start manufacturing with them. So they had capacity, they had immediate capacity. They were doing some, they were doing, when I went in, they were running lines for SOCOM. So they were doing incredible Arctic warfare systems. And I'm looking at these things and they're walking me through the factory and the innovation was insane. Like I've been to the top end factories in the world that make Arcterics, Patagonia, like, you know, tens of millions of garments, you know, clearly. Yeah, Roger. Yeah. And you go in and you're, you're, you're looking at, you, you go in and there's this huge rectangle 
And I mean, dude, it, it probably goes on for a, a kilometer. Right. Right. And then you've got like 10 tables and those tables go, they start, they go all the way back. Right. You've got people on both sides of those tables. You have the fabric rolls that go in from the front. They get, and, and I'm talking about, you know, 50,000 yards rolled up and they'll go and be pulled into one of the, you know, each one to one of the tables an initial table will, will be pattern cutting and you'll literally see the fabric go in and a freaking jacket come out of the other side. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And it goes down this lane and, and it's, it's called a lane. It's, it's your factory. It's your, it's your line. It's your lane. And I'm talking about literally like you've got this place for stitch makers, this place for cutters, this place to put in zippers, this place to put in buttons. Now, maybe 500 meters. I got to get away from the metric system and get back to being American. It's like 500 yards, maybe <laughs> down the thing. I'm not kidding guys. Like when I say 500 yards, I'm talking about Marine Corps boot camp in the prone, you're 500 you know, yeah. yard target, dude. Well, Ben was in, Ben was in the army. He doesn't know what 500 yards looks yeah, like. Yeah. We only, oh. we only shoot 300 yards. Oh, well, you guys, it doesn't matter because the Marines have already taken the, 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 the problem out and you guys right. Right. <laughs> killing, the, kill, killing the bad guys that pop up like hedgehogs. What, um, makes, ma what makes the grass grow green, my friend? Blood, buddy. Blood. <laughs> but at, these, at the ends of, you know, there will be these breaks in these tables. And literally, if somebody has to get up and pee or go to the other side of the table, they have to get up and go literally walk all the way down. Oh, hell. To where the breaks are in these tables. Now, where the brakes are in these tables, the garment gets pushed into a big kind of laundry basket looking doohady that has wheels on it. That gets pushed across a little, you know, across maybe 20 feet of space to the next table. That line continues, and then that's the next specialty. Okay. That's all I've seen. That's how it's done in Asia. Single, single floor. Here it is. This is it. Boom, 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 boom. Maybe. You know, the biggest ones, maybe 20 lanes. And it's just, it, it's insane. It'll blow your mind. You've got, you know, 10,000 people working in there, right? Now, in the States, I go in and they've taken like a, a, a butcher and a laundry mat and taken all, like all of the specialists are in just a square, just a, a, a square table. And there's four of them per table. Master okay. stitchers, seamers, whatever. And everything's automated. They're pressing a button and all of the garments, starting with the fabric, are spinning around our heads. So ergonomically, there's floor space everywhere. You have to get up and you, dude, we walked the whole floor and followed. There's sleeping bags being made here, hanging from these racks, 5,000 of them. There's jackets hanging from these. They press a button. It's on a, it's on a chain. Brrr. Yeah, I've, I've never seen anything like it in my life. Literally, like 2,500 people there could do what 15,000 people in, you know, an, an Asian factory could do because of the, the, the amount of space they were saving and it going on a, you know, electronically right. on or on an engine on a chain. Technology, technology boost over the traditional absolute innovation yes. american yeah. innovation that's good and, to hear yeah and these are like country folk right this is in the this is in the hills like this factory is probably the main thing in this area that, that, that i use 
right? And I asked the guys, where did you see this? Like, what did you, and they were like, ah, oh, we just thought about what could save space and get stuff around the fastest and not have to use people to lug this here and here. And, and also it's, it's multi-stories. So the chains go up the stair, like go up right, to the second right. level limits and that, and they can, dude, they, it's, it's insane. I mean, it's, it's, it's wild. I've never seen anything like that. It's not insane to them. Cause they're just like, Oh, Do they go no, A to Z right. for you? Do they go all the way to fulfillment or is it? Everything. Oh, to fulfillment, no. So they pack it. So, so this is my cut and sew factory. So you have to get fabrics there. You have to get zippers, all your components there. They do the labor of the cut and sew. Um, they cut the patterns. They get the fabric. They put it on rolls. They cut the patterns. And then they build out every piece of it. They package it. They box it. And that gets in a truck and goes to my, my new fulfillment center will be in Tennessee as well. Okay. Um, We've literally just sold everything. Are you going to, so you're going to self-employ the, the fulfillment end of it? Well, I'll, I'll, we're sourcing that as well. Like we have okay. a three PL that's here in Tennessee. So it'll get okay. trucked from this factory to this, from this supplier to the three PL that we'll use. And that will be built into our Shopify. Gotcha. And being on gotcha. Shopify and that goes out, the customer, you know, decides what, you know, they pick the shit, how fast they want to get the clothes. Right. Um, and so anyway, so back to these guys at the factory. So they say, oh, we just, you know, we just thought this, this would work better. And I'm like, well, who built this out? Where did you get? And they're like, oh, right back here in our shop. <laughs> they just take me in their machine shop and they're just, there's, you know, two mechanics, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> oh, I'm, like, I'm like, dude, welcome back to America. Yeah. Like, welcome back. Like where I can go to Home Depot or Lowe's and get everything I need to repair my house. I can buy, you know, a freaking washing machine and a pressure washer. Yeah. Uh, literally all in the same place. Um, and have veterans reserved for veteran parking right out front. Literally. I love it. I always, you know, I always brag to my wife and kids about it. And I say, this is America. Um, now originally, so, so I, I see this place and I'm, I'm, you know, I tell my investors, I tell my CFO, I'm like, Hey bro, I want to do this. Like I want made in the USA. I, I, you know, these people don't have work. They've got, I mean, they're doing these small SOCOM runs, but I'm like, they have capacity for us. They want to do it. They want to be our partner. It's an hour from my house. It's Tennessee made. Like we're doing this. I was born in Chattanooga. Like this is, th this is full circle. And if we're going to do this, it's a veteran coming home and we're just, we're closing down Hong Kong. I want to incorporate a company here. I want to have a, an official veteran-owned designation, cage number, uh, Duns, the whole nine. And so we totally shut down Hong Kong, closed the banks, canked it, pulled the plug, wow. and started Vogue Global LLC, Virtus Outdoor Group, VOG, Virtues of God, Virtus Outdoor Group, Vogue Global LLC, and incorporated that in August. Um, and yeah, bro, it's been a, it's, it's, it's been a trip. I mean... And I, I want to go into more for anyone listening that is thinking about manufacturing in America and if it's too expensive or what are the pros, what are the cons? Because um, I, dude, I'm doing it. And I, you know, I, I, I really want to encourage people to manufacture in America. Well, and you're, you're somebody that has a unique, a unique um, insight into the ins and outs. I mean, from A to Z, you know, the nuts yeah. and bolts of, of, why it's a good idea to bring it home. And, and like I said, there's probably is some con. I mean, I imagine everything has a pro and a con, but
But for you to pull your whole company from Asia from a manufacturing standpoint and plug it in in Tennessee, USA is amazing. That's that's actually uplifting to me because it's, you know, I, I deal in the clothing industry all day and, you know, you don't get anything from China. And, and the, you know, the, the, the rhetoric is, is that if you go get a T-shirt that's USA made, it's twice as much and, you know, there's no good quality and et cetera, et cetera. So that's great to hear. You know, I'll introduce you to some, I'll introduce you to some, some t-shirt manufacturers, hat manufacturers, all that stuff stateside, one in Wilmington, North Carolina, and one in Tennessee, Out, un, unreal quality. Um, and, and every, you know, thread made in the USA. You know, can you talk Love about it. that for a little bit? Cause I, my understanding is that part of the reason that American manufacturing is not as competitive as it used to be is, because it's an economy of scale, whereas the, the factories in Asia are running 24 hours a day, nonstop, whereas American manufacturing, because they don't have the volume, the costs are higher. Is that true? And is that something that we can correct, whereas more people like you bring manufacturing back, there's just going to be that volume that's going to decrease the cost of American manufacturing? Is that, am I onto something or am I just totally off base on that? Well, the capacity is here, and I'll tell you a crazy story about fabrics next. Um it's just greed. Okay. You know, I mean, in Vietnam, what was costing me, I'll give one jacket, for example, that, that's, that's one of our more expensive jackets that's been sold out for a long time. Um, what cost me FOB freight on board, $65 is now costing me 200 to make. Wow. Now $70 of that is labor. Right. The other parts are the components. This is this fabric is freaking bulletproof. I mean, windproof, waterproof, dustproof zippers, retractable hood, packable, matte, dustproof, sandproof, windproof, waterproof, coiled zippers, number sevens in every single tactical advantage place you can possibly have. I mean, it is a we'll, we'll sell that jacket, uh, you know, MOD, DOD, private contractor arena for a thousand bucks a jacket. Um, Here's the difference. When I say it's 200, that's it. Okay. It's 200 in Tennessee without any duty, without any customs, without any taxes, packed up, ready to rock. And as long as I'm selling it to Americans in America, it can get to them within one business day. Right. Right. Okay. The whole thing is in Vietnam, I was paying and I can't believe this now that I, and, and, and I'll, I'll freaking, I bl it blew my mind, the, the, the fabric mill that I went to. Um, I'm paying similar prices what, for what I was paying for fabrics, which is insane. I mean, it, it, insane. I, I, I did not think that was possible. So similar, um, you're saying it for an American-made fabric versus a Vietnamese-made fabric? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, so the difference, the big difference in the cost is, is that, we actually pay our employees here. It's not, it's not slave labor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what and, I was getting at. Is is that? I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to say that because I've been using Asian manufacturing for so long, and I would go to Vietnam and say, "Wow, I'm in the factory. These people are happy." But these people are probably making five dollars a day, working all day. Now they're young in Vietnam. They all have scooters. They drink their beer, and the cost of living is nothing. So in that economy, it works. 
Now in China, it's just, there's straight up slave labor. I mean, there's people that are locked in factories and Bangladesh is the worst. It's, it's known for this. That's where Nike, that's where, you know, your big companies make stuff now is Bangladesh. It is straight up slave labor. Like people, people locked in, you know, you, you live here and, and that's it. It's, it's, I call that slave labor. I've refused to ever make anything in Bangladesh. I've only used Chinese factories where I knew the factory owner and I could go visit the factory anytime I wanted. And it was OEM, military grade, mil spec stuff. Like the people working in there were, were you know, prior military and um, or extreme athletes or worked for search and rescue and whatnot. Like it, it, these weren't big factories. These were like very specialized, you know, <laughs> Yada, yada, yada. Yeah. So, um, but you're getting a master stitcher. They're getting $28 an hour. Right. Versus now, five I bucks a day. Versus five bucks a day. Now, the difference is, um, and this is wild too, I, I, and I can send you guys links. I have these in saved stories in my Instagram. I would sign contracts with large Asian-based companies, usually Taiwanese-based companies, because they're the most ethical. Um, you know, they're our ally, and then they'll own these factories. Like, it's always Taiwanese or Korean-owned factories, South Korean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, they're, and, and, you know, they're clean. It's, it's it, you know, it's just, it hits every ethical standard, right? You know, low emissions, the whole nine. Like, help, like you know, recycled fabrics, the, the right. whole nine. Um, and... Here, you know, you're somebody is getting, you know, everybody at that factory is getting a different wage. You got youngsters that are in there that are packing goods in the States. I mean, they're getting minimum wage or maybe, I, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't ask. Um, I did ask when they showed me how much the labor was going to cost, what the, uh, <laughs> what the master sisters were getting paid because our stuff is very complex. You know, our articles, our, our, our garments. Um, especially like the Astraeus and the Proteus and some new garments that we're coming out with. But the testing is, is crazy. I would sign with a Taiwan. This is like, sorry, I lost my train of thought. This is what I was trying to tell you. I would sign a purchase order with a Taiwanese factory and we would agree that 10% of the goods might be defective that they would make and they would replace them. And I would put lifetime warranty on goods. And if something messed up, I would just send the person a new one. And I would do that continually if it messed up. Because I would get them to send me that garment back and I would tell the factory, this screwed up, take this off the next purchase order. And they were fine with it. Now, right. usually it wasn't 10%. Sometimes you sign for 5%, but that is industry standard with anything. That's why when something messes up from Nike, Lululemon, Arcteryx, there's no questions. You just send it back, take it back to the store and they don't, you know, unless it's got a huge freaking burn in it from like some crackhead dropping a cigarette on yeah. it. Like, <laughs> you know, your typical thing, they're going to replace it. Um, this factory has only done government contracts. If there's one defect, they lose the contract. So the quality control wow. measures are every garment goes insane. Through yeah, every single garment. The Proteus jacket that we have is seamed all over with tape. They test it with four pounds of freaking water pressure on these little fire hose sprockets like a hundred of them. And then these levers that mash the seams and the fabric down and then they put on the water. If it bleeds, if a drop bleeds through, it, it's get re it gets rejected and it goes back through the line. They don't throw it away, they fix it. They That's do this awesome. with every garment. They test that jacket in 27 places, every jacket. They make millions of garments a year. So every jacket gets tested. 
every single sleeping bag, jacket, tent, everything. So when That's I'm incredible. seeing this and I walked through the first time, I was like, I've got to, I've got to work with you guys. Like when I put, you know, when I put the price tag on this and I sell this to the government and I say, this is, you know, a lifetime warranty. I know, I know the people I've been there. I've seen them do the testing. Um, so that was a huge thing. The, and when you're making so so, so like now our whole, kind of MO went from just making civilian stuff and doing some boutique stuff for government to being, we're looking at being 75% MOD, DOD, you know, selling to primes and department of energy, you know, state, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, the rest civilian. So we, we cool. that's our focus now um, because the goods we're making are very compliant. So right. very compliant means that every single component and piece of that good, every stitch of it, the thread, the freaking, the yarn, whether it's a knit, whether it's a woven, was made in the USA. So no more YKK zippers. Now we're using Ideal or Dunlop. Um, Dunlop are made here in Tennessee. Ideal are made, I think, in Kentucky. But those okay. are the top two. Sorry. YKK is not an American company? No, it's a Japanese company. Ah, Okay. YKK zippers. Now they do have, I think, one YKK plant that is in the states, um, but I, I want it to be a U.S. company right. that you know that that is made in the USA. So I'm thinking the next big hurdle is going to be fabric, right? Because I've never seen a fabric mill in the U.S. I go right across the border to North Carolina, and I go to a factory. I'm obviously not going to say the names of any of these things. So I don't want people stealing my sources. Uh, <laughs> But they're doing, you know, 100 million yards a year of fabrics. And they are treating them at the molecular level. They're spinning the yarn. They do knits. They do wovens. They do stuff for Lululemon, uh, Nike, Arterex, Patagonia, all of the brands, the, the biggest brands. And those brands use this as an emergency mill to make immediate samples to have for meetings. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then they outsource the rest of it to form. And then they outsource the rest yeah. of it. Once they get it right and they do it and they make the thing, they screw over this place and they just get it from Bangladesh, China, Indonesia. Unbelievable. So when I went in and told these guys, I want to use you for everything. They're like, okay, how much sample yardage do you want? And I'm like, I don't want sample yardage. I want yardage. I want, you know, we're, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of yards per jacket. And they're like, you're going to use us for just us. And I was like, yes. <laughs> Yes. That's what we're doing. Dude, the prices they gave me when they knew that. I I mean, you see me you you see my mouth open. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. I was like, are you serious? This is it? Like you're making this fabric. This is made. You're not out like they're like, no, you you came and toured the whole facility. They're only working at I'd say 15% capacity right now. Really? Like they because people aren't using them because people just aren't making stuff in America. Dude, it's like Origin, Jocko, those guys and me. That's it. That's the only folk. And, and, and uh, Triple Op Design, those guys. They've been really good about making stuff in the States. And I always wondered how they did it because their stuff's really good quality. And I was like, how are they making margins? Now I know. <laughs> you know, well, you, it's completely doable. That, I love I love hearing all this. I mean, this is incredible. And for anyone that's not familiar, like, I mean, your clothing and jackets are world-class. I mean, it's just as good, if not better than any other 
I think you'd bite mm-hmm. our REI. So anyone out there that's listening. Make sure you I mean, see the new stuff because I, it makes the stuff that we've made up to now look subpar. Really? All right, I'm, I'm going to yeah, ask the selfish really question. Yeah. I'm going to ask the selfish question. Dude, are you going to make something with a bigger waist for fatter <laughs> dudes? Dude, it's funny you ask that. Um, I was an extra large in our old stuff. Uh, it was European and Asian sizes. I'm six foot and two fifteen. I'm a medium in our new in our new sizing. US really? Size. Yeah. I'm so just yeah, afraid. We're, we're, making, we're making all the way up to triple XL. Oh, can't even wait. Yeah. So um, at, yeah, absolutely. The sizing is American, dude. Everything oh. is American. There's not no more European sizing, no more Asian sizing. Like I, it's just. All we, I want all some of the chaos about. pants. Yeah, all, all we care about is uh, is 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 our country right now. Like we are completely becoming isolationists, and that's why my my focus is really working with. The, we've been meeting with prime vendors. We've been meeting with the guys from ADS. We're meeting with the guys from Funico Tactical. Those are under DLA. Right. You know, those are those are those inroads, um, and then we're working on Natick certifications to get the you get an actual like government UPC code. And right, that's how right. you're going to. And, and I mean, bro, it's like I've been in meetings for the past month where it is. It's just blown my mind, like how the U.S. buys, how you can actually have a prime vendor that's your wholesale distributor. And it's like it, it, it's it's ridiculous in a good way. I mean, it's just it, it, it's incredible to me. And it's incredible to me the love that veteran owned companies, disabled veteran owned companies get yeah, um, that is true. I mean, it's, you it's, see it's that more so and more. Yeah, it's, and it, it's you I mean, see I'm, more, I'm living it. I'm watching it daily. Yeah, it's, it's it's amazing. You see our our you know American people. I think more and more are appreciating veteran started, veteran run, veteran owned companies. You know, based upon what you just told us. So so I read an article the other day about um, basically American males have. I don't want to get go down this rabbit hole, but basically the American fine, male. Go down and I love this stuff. <laughs> but the American male now, you know, lives at home for an ex, you know, lives with their parents until they're 25, like more and more, um, is going to college to wait on the in in air quotes, the management job. You know, mm-hmm. we're getting away from um trades. Like and I've I've said it on the podcast many times that I, you know, any one thing I did like about living in England was is that not everybody goes to university. If you're mm-hmm. smart and you're, you're brilliant and you're looking to become a doctor, attorney, whatever, you go to university, right? But if you don't, they send you to some sort of trade school to get yeah. you down a road. So my, so my whole point is, is that with this experience you're having, bringing your company here, your manufacturing here, your distribution here, your fulfillment here, and you're seeing the master stitcher, you're seeing the guy putting a zipper on, Talk to us about your opinion about, you know, can we turn this around? Can we get young Americans to start learning those traits? Because I tell you right now, there's not a lot of people out there coming out of high school going, you know what? I'm going to learn how to be a master seamstress, seamster, uh, and and I'm going to, you know, work my way up to make 28, you know, $30 an hour. Um, which is a great living, you know, in a lot of these communities. And, you know, so, so give me your opinion on that. Do you think we can turn it around? Can we change, 
it, can we change? I mean, think about it. Like, like, think about it. You're say, say you're a single guy or you're married. Um, I mean, obviously let, let's just say a single man or woman that doesn't want to go be a puppet for big pharma and go be a pharmaceutical rep, which basically is just being a freaking puppet for big pharma. And that's yep. kind of, when I went to college, that was what was encouraged. It was, Hey, if you're good looking and, uh, and athletic or personable, go take, get a psych major, be a psychology major and then go work for Merck or big pharma, get your golden handcuffs. They'll start you out at 85, you know, 85,000 a year. Then, you know, they don't tell you that it is golden handcuffs and that's where you stay until you've conned enough doctors into being your freaking, you know, minions yeah. and your pill pusher, your pill pusher, literally. And, um, and then maybe you can get hired for medical sales and then you can Mac, you know, you can cap out at 125 or, you know, 200. And then you can go into Airbnbs with the, your drug dealing doctor friends or whatever. That, that's kind of, that's what I've seen literally with my friends that have gone that route. Um, none of them are married. They're, you know, none yeah. of them have kids. Like they're missing out on what life is actually about. Um, and if that's their thing, that's cool, you know, whatever. But think about a kid that goes and says, I'm going to go into, into trade school, right? Does it two, does, doesn't go in debt, uh, gets a, gets a one year, a two year degree and gets placed. <laughs> like, right. Literally has an option, goes in towards different factories and they say, we'll pay the, you know, we'll, we'll pay that, that school debt and you'll come in starting at this. Yeah. And when I say school debt, most of these things, you can work it off while you're at school. You can basically do a trade school where it's like, okay, you're, you're going to be a master stitcher, but it's like, I mean, it's, it's a weird example, but um, massage therapy, you can literally, there are a lot of massage therapy schools where you go and you're doing massages for cancer patients or HIV patients or whatever. And basically that pays for your, for your deal. Right. So yeah, think about that. Now think about going in as a master stitcher, get being able to get, you know, getting there at, you know, within a year or two years, you're making $1,200 a week now. Um, 52, that's $62,400 a year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and you can move up from that. So, I mean, you think about making that at 21. <laughs> but I, th I think too, uh, what's, what's interesting so, about yeah that, yeah there's definitely a yeah there's definitely a future there but it, it gives it, it gives people purpose too you know i think there's something to be said for doing something physical and at the end of the day you have a product that you made and i think for a lot of yeah. people that that's worth i mean the salary obviously is important but i think for a lot of people having that that worth in their not i don't worth isn't the right word but you know what i'm saying where you go in you go into the factory at the end of the day you can say i produced hundred jackets, whatever the number is. It's like, I made that. I did that. And not only did I make them, I made them extremely well so that they all passed all of these tests. So hundred percent of those jackets I made are perfect and ready to be sold. And I think for a lot of people, that's, that's life-changing. That gives people purpose. It gives people meaning. And I don't know how you put a price tag on that. And I, you know, like what Ben said earlier, I think that's an issue too. I'm reading more and more that as we get more automated, it seems like depression and all these other social issues are becoming more prevalent amongst younger people that have no reason to be depressed, but they're depressed because they're on their phone. They don't have a job that really does anything. They don't produce anything. They're just existing, you know, and what you're talking about gives, gives people purpose. You know, you're making a jacket that's going to potentially save somebody's life. If they're caught out in the rain or the snow, it's, I love it. I love every bit of this. This is awesome. And um, think about, th think about this. 
the way that we're wired, say you get in and you're not an entrepreneur and you're just more of an engineer type and you're like, I love this, you know, think about what I was telling you about the innovation at the factory that I'm using for cut and sew. Right. Yeah. Think about the guys that developed that chain system with their own hands and did it there. Now think about them going to other factories and bringing their patented technology. Yeah. Yep. Taking it with yep. their hands all over the freaking place as American manufacturing grows. Now think about those master stitchers that know how to do the welding. Think about the guys that know how to do QC. Now think about how we in the military or we working for government agencies all have our own little clique that we like to hang with, that we go on a little smoke break with, that we're always drinking coffee with and this and that. Now think about having your own little team that can do basically each part of what the factory is. If you're eventually not happy at the factory, you can literally go take out a loan, especially if you're a veteran and start your own factory. Like, you know it. You've done it. You know exactly what you're doing. I, I did that. I literally learned every part of building, manufacturing and sourcing, working for that company. I wasn't happy with the way I was treated. I didn't get what I was promised. And I started my own company. And if I'd have been doing that stuff in America, I would have done this 10 years ago and probably already exited this you know, fog and started other companies. Um, I mean, my end game is obviously exiting the company at some point to, you know, or taking it public. I mean, I love seeing Black Rifle go public and being able to share that company with anyone who wants to invest. Such I mean, a crazy story. I love it, but but yeah. it's such a doable story. I mean, it's yeah, just, yeah. It's, no, hundred percent. It's a doable, doable story. Um, and you know, I want to in, in the future if we can get Bog public, if not if, but when. I mean, I my my path and purpose would be consulting and helping other. You know, and it doesn't even, not, not even just vets, just helping other Americans. Um, I would love to be able to say one day that I brought overseas money to, to American manufacturing. I mean, how, how beautiful would that be? You know, yeah. having, having a wealthy Chinese company have to pay Americans to manufacture something. Yeah. <laughs> that would be incredible. Right. But, but, you know, but to go back, back to kind of the growth, um, I don't think college degrees are worth anything. You know, I, I, I have them and I've never used them. Uh, yeah. If the GI Bill hadn't paid for them, I, I wouldn't have gotten them. Um, I, I think in the military, we already know how to do something and complete it. I, I think the biggest thing, if you're going to go to school, like my son is kind of all over the place right now. Like he just got back from Cape Town. He got his yacht master license and really wasn't really into that. It was in Cape Town, you know, hanging with his buddies, came back and now he's working at a place in Miami. And I, I said to him, he's going to come up here and stay with me for a week. And I said, you know, what do you really want to do? And he's like, well, I love film. I love, you know, this or that. And I said, well, let's put you in the university of Tennessee and take these classes. And he said, I don't, he goes, dad, I don't want a degree. It's worthless. Like I don't. And I said, I'm not talking about a degree. I'm talking about take a film class. (laughs) Tell them you're going to major in whatever. It doesn't matter. Like you're the one paying for the class. Take a couple classes on something. And if you don't, if you don't like it, that's a pretty telltale sale that you're, you know, that you're not going to like that career. Yeah. yeah. Reset, pivot. Yeah. Reset and pivot. But in this day and age, you can go to them, you can take a marketing class and crush the, you know, not just crush the exam, but, you know, crush the models that you have to build. And you can, you can show that to a company and they'll hire you. Like you don't have to have a bachelor's. 
all you have to have is proof of being able to do that. You know what I mean? So yeah, you, you think about that in American manufacturing, like the sky's the limit. Like you think about graphic design, think about how many kids out there are so freaking creative with making little videos on TikTok and Instagram and this and that. Now you think about those kids having a reach of several million people. Now you think about another entrepreneur saying, I, I'm making t-shirts, I'm making hats, I'm making backpacks. Okay, will you be my key opinion leader and will you help me make my videos defining this? And yeah, 100%. About, and then you think about a photographer that really likes doing studio work and it's, dude, you, you do animation, you do this, you do that. Th these dudes have the factory. Like, let's take out a loan, <laughs> you know, let, let's take out a loan and do this and build a little hub. I mean, next thing you know, you have a 5,000 square foot warehouse with one cubicle is the dark room where your, photo where your photographer is working. You've got another little area set where you're doing your videography. And what, I mean, like that is so doable. And our country is and always has been the innovators. I mean, look at Apple, developed, designed in California, made in China. Everything that yeah. we like and that we do is from us. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. We can do it here. And, you know, we can do it micro and, and rocket. I know I'm, I'm seeing it. I'm doing it right now. Like, I, I, I'm not, I seeing, I'm not saying this could happen. I'm saying this, this is happening. Like, this, this is the future. You know? I think what you're saying is amazing because, you know, I think we need in our country, and it's becoming more and more apparent, we need another sort of industrial, industrial revolution is not the word, but a revolution of, bringing these things home and, you know, not just manufacturing, not just distribution, but the things you're talking about, these more, you know, more modern techniques and, and trades that bringing them home and perfecting them here and growing them here. We need that sort of revolution to happen again. And it, you know, the world stage right now, it's becoming more and more, you know, we're, we're being strangled by, you know, China, for example, uh, other places yeah. that, you know, we're, we're subject to these things and we're and as a people, we've lost that innovation. You were talking before we started recording about uh, Taylor Sheridan's show, uh, 1883. And, you know, and how you like, you know, showing the grit and the determination of these pioneers, you know, that were coming yeah. out West and, you know, they, they, if the tornado knocked your, knocked your uh, wagon over you had to work with your hands and figure it out and innovate and change and adapt and we need to bring that home i i, I mean i can't beat that drum enough i can't i think yeah. no no i'm with you I, yeah i think as long as there's a reward that innovation is always going to be there right i think if the government gets out of the way and allows people to be successful and you take the risk right but the reward has been your success right I think you're always going to have that. And I think we're kind of at that weird intersection where the government seems to be wanting to, I don't want to get political, but I'm just, it kind of overlaps. But the moment you start capping that success saying you can't succeed, you lose that innovation. So as long as we can maintain that and say, you will be rewarded for the risk you take. I, th I think we're always going to see it. And I think the future isn't so much a single industry. I think the future is just the idea that you can bounce from industry to industry and you can start things and, and it may not last your entire life. I think that's what a lot of people need to realize is that whatever you start, you're probably not going to finish because things are changing so fast, but you need being able to adapt to this environment that's changing daily almost, I think is, is the future. So if you can adapt and understand that things always change, 
I think you'll do okay. Um, and and to, and to 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 cap on that, I mean, the resources out there. And David mentioned a few of them. Brian is huge on resources, but at no time in history, in any any nation or empire or or any point in history, has there been more resources for somebody to come up with an idea and run with it than today. Yeah, you know, it's at it's, your fingertips. It's in your phone. You, it's almost, you can, it's you can almost start a business. Sword. Yeah, you can start a business, incorporate a business, pay your yeah. taxes, pay your employees, you know, take your videos, take your pictures, you know, short of working with your hands and creating something, you all of the resources to go and, and move forward today, if you want to do something is, it's never been more accessible. Well, the hard part with that is that we have so many options, and I get caught up in this too. Like, you can go in any direction which in a way is almost worse because in the past it was like, well, I'm just going to do this, right? My town has a factory. That's the job I'm going to have. Great, fine, easy, right? But now with, with everything online, you can literally live in California and work in a company in New York. You know, it's, it's really incredible. So I think you have all that choice, but the, the trick is you got to pick something. You got to pick, you got to get started. You got to make that decision and don't be afraid to don't be afraid to fail. You got to give your best effort. But at the same time, the more you try things, just like David said, you know, whether you want to start in film or, you know, start a business, just do it. Like you have the opportunity to do things like that, that you never had before. Like you can be a filmmaker. You can be a musician without <laughs> capital records. You don't have to go to an agent to, to produce a movie anymore and just do it. And if it fails, well, maybe you're not a filmmaker, but you still have a million other opportunities. And that's, it's, it's incredible. Um, you know, I know we harp on it all the time, but I, I struggle with that. So I'm saying it to remind myself, just make a decision. You got to move forward uh, and, and see where it goes. Because in, in making those decisions, in moving forward, you're going to either find things that you are not good at, or you're going to find things that you may not have thought about doing, or at the very least, you're going to network with people that will help you build the team to get you where you want to go. Um, yeah. And I, I think that's kind of what happened with Black Rifle. You know, I, I'm a big fan of theirs. Um and had those guys not got together at that time, I don't know that they would have been the success they are because they've all contributed their own little, they've all contributed to the success of Black Rifle in their own way. And it's, it was a team, I think, that, that really put them on top. Um, I mean, they have a good product for sure, but it was marketing. It was, <laughs> it was a lot of hard work behind the scenes. Um, but all successful companies have that. It's that team and they, people took a risk and it just moving forward, just making that decision and going for it. And I'm, I'm going to get off my soapbox now. I've been rambling. But no, I love it. I love it. I love it. I mean, to echo on one thing you said, you know, and I do, I mean, I'll just tell you guys, cause I've lived it. Failure is inevitable. Yeah. That's just, I, I, I've, I've, I've known the black rifle guys and, and that kind of whole thing from the get go. And I mean, I'll, I'll say it not to throw stones or anything because they went public and I think it's amazing. I love them. I drink their coffee. I, I couldn't be more proud of them. They didn't know what they were doing when they started. Yeah. I mean, they moved from this warehouse to this warehouse. I mean, like I, I helped move some stuff over to Hong Kong um, to try to get it into distribution networks. And like, it, it, I, I, they had just military people that it was like bros trying to right, do everything. Right, right. And it was just like, okay, I'm going to pay his wife and her wife, and this is going to be the upper management team. And it was just like, we're going to do this. 
And that didn't work. And it was, it, it is getting the right people on the bus and the wrong people off the bus. Yeah. And now they're a huge success because they did that. But they, when they went through failures, they didn't quit. Yeah. They said, improvise, adapt, and overcome. Um, my biggest failures have been trying to do too many things and be the, a, a jack of all trades number one out of ego and number two out of fear of being exposed for not knowing how to do that correctly yeah and not wanting to you know when you're working on a budget or when you're you're paying yourself this and you're thinking god i don't want to hire this person have to pay them this much because it takes this much out of my salary it moves this side of this part of the company this side of this party um you have to have a cfo like you have to have a coo um you, you, you can't do it all. I've done it. I've tried it. And it will, you have to sleep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, you have to, you, you can crisis manage and run some stuff for a while. But when you get to a certain size, you, like for me as a clothing designer, um, I, I don't know how much longer I'll be the CEO. I mean, I'm, I'm looking for the right CEO to hire now um, because it's not my gift. Um it's not, I'm a clothing, I'm a designer. That's what I do. Like that, that's what I do. Um, I'm a designer and I, and I, I really enjoy creating content and marketing. Now I'm not a marketer. I, I, I can't get in there and read, you know, tell you how to do SEO and how to use Google AdWords and what campaign to run in that. That's not my gift. We've, we've hired someone whose gift that is and paying someone whose gift that is well, well, what does that do? It makes you a shitload more money because right, right, marketing the product and doing it right. There's so I mean, many people out there that don't they, I, you know, they they step over the dollars to get to the pennies. You know that they just they want to do, yeah. and I get it. And you know, when you're a small business owner and you started your baby and you're in your garage with your wife, you know, yeah. doing whatever that is, right? Yeah, selling nuts, bolts, or coffee, whatever that is. There comes a point in time where you have to make a decision. You got to look at each other in the face and go, okay, look, like you said, we suck at photography of our product. Our, you know, we have this amazing product. We're getting it out to people, but our stuff looks like shit. You know, paying that professional photographer to take professional, you know, photos is, it's a cost, comes out of your pocket, takes the money out of your bottom line, but what does that dollar to the photographer make you? Does that make you seven bucks? Does that, you know, you got to figure out what that ROI is on all of that. And, you know, self-deception, we talk about it all the time on the podcast. Self-deception is the hardest thing to overcome. I struggle with it. And if you, everybody struggles with it. If you can't recognize what you do good and what you do bad, you're going to fail a lot. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I'm not a, I'm not a clothing designer. You know, I, you know, I'm a marketing guy. Like I, I love to sell things and help people. I can sell shorts to Eskimos, you know, but I can't, I don't have a creative bone in my body. I don't have, you know, there's a million things, you know, but you know, I, it's, it's good to hear that come from somebody that and you're, you're, you're very humble, but you're super successful. You've been around the world, you know, the ins and outs of the businesses that you've run. And to hear you say, you know, yeah, I'm a good CEO. I've taken it from point A to point B, but I want to go to C, D, E, and F, and I maybe need to hire somebody that's better at it than me. Your, your ego 
doesn't I'm a, I'm a shut CEO. you down. I'm a CEO who's who's survived. But yeah. there are CEO. I, I'd love to hire a CEO that's that's flipped companies. I mean, I, I, I honestly, I'd like to hire Joe Yorio. He was CEO of DHL North America. He was CHL of uh, he was CEO of Blackwater. Um, oh, okay. He was, he was an Army Ranger, 75th Ranger, Operation Just Cause in Panama. Um, got out and he, and then and then a Green Beret. Got out. Um, I think he went to uh, Columbia or Cornell. Got his MBA. Then went back in as a Mustang. Oh. And yeah, hmm. dude. And went back in. You know, Ranger, Ranger, Green Beret. Um, and. Uh, initially in Afghanistan was, you know, the highest rank on the battlefield going out in freaking squad rushes, dude, um, with the teams. He was a major. So field yeah. grade officer got out, um, was CEO of DHL. I met him when he was CEO of Vertex because I was working for Cryptech and they were one of our camouflage licensees. It was the Highlander and the Typhon pattern that Vertex packs. Um, oh, okay. Okay. And so I was helping them get into different Asian markets and I met him and I mean, we, he and I have been brothers ever since. Now I, I say him as an example, like that's someone who has flipped companies, who's been in public companies and, and, and who's done it. Um, and who I would rather pay more than I pay myself or give, you know, equity in the company or, or both, you know, figure out the, the right option to make him or someone like him happy and say, okay, is my goal to make, to take this company public? Then let's do it. Like who's done it. You've done it. Interestingly enough, look at Black Rifle Coffee. Who's the CEO? I don't even know who the, they got. Who, two: Evan Hafer and Tom Davin. There you go. And who 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 do you never see, or whose name do you never hear, and who do you never see in a video? Tom. Those two. Yeah. No, you see Evan. Evan's oh, the yeah. CEO. Dude, they just did the funniest roast of him. Um, I don't <laughs> so know if you've seen it. Like, dude, they, they they honestly right now are my favorite company. I was kind of worried they went public and they're going to kind of like, you know, hire a ton of people and not do it, dude, they've only gotten better. Like check out the roast. It's on their Instagram page, but check out the roast they did of Evan Hopper. It is the funniest yeah. thing you'll see. And like, I, I, I mean, it's, I, I can't even promote it enough. It, it's the best thing I've ever seen. Yeah, but you know, Jack Mandeville, so, you know, Tom, Tom Davenport is a ranger, um, was a ranger, was brass and he's a Harvard MBA. He's been in wall street. Um, he's in the back. He's in, you know, you don't see him, um, super fit, just an incredible dude, but he was their wall street guy that said, we're going to get you into five eleven. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And he structured it. And, he, and, you know, with a ton of hard work and brilliant marketing and a great product and everything else, they went public, but you know, Evan was smart enough to know, even with all his experience, um, and, and it's cool how they did it. I mean, he stayed co-CEO. I, I don't care to do that. I mean, if there's going to be a CEO, I'm just going to hire somebody that that's going to be it. Um, not anything against Evan. I mean, he's a rock star, but you know, that that's how you do it. You say who's done it. Right. And, and, and maybe you're, maybe you don't want to go public. Maybe it's just, I, I love this. This is my baby. It's going to be a private company. I'm going to hand it down to my kids. That's awesome too. But like, if your goal is to do this and to get to this number, um, don't get in your own way. Yeah. Don't get in your own way because I've been in my own way many times for a long time. And you know, the whole ego thing, I'll tell you what, if you think it's going to hurt your ego to hire somebody that's better than you at what you really don't need to be doing, it's going to hurt your ego a whole lot longer wasting three or four years to figure that out and having to do the same doggone thing. Yeah. 
I've end up doing it anyway? I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm 43. I've been there multiple times. Um, now going back to the textiles, cause this is something I want to tell people that are wondering, you know, well, if it's a wall, you know, what, you know, what, what are the other things that, that, that make you want to do this other than just being a veteran and a Patriot? So when you order from Asia, you basically have two to four deliveries a year. You know, most of the time, big, big orders, you're ordering, it's being delivered every 120 days, 90 days. What is delivered is it, right? That's it. You got this many, you got this many extra larges, you have this many black, you have this many red, that's it. Like there, you, you can't call your factory and be like, shit, we just sold out of all our double XLs. Like we, we need 2000 of them really quick. Well, you've got a thing called an MOQ, which means minimum order quantity. Yeah, and to, yeah. Be, to be getting them at a good price in manufacturing in Asia, you're basically placing orders of ten to fifty thousand items every time you're ordering, depending on how many SKUs you have. You know, on your jacket, that is, for example, say your your Helios jacket. Maybe you have four colors. Now you're ordering twenty five hundred of each color, right? Just just yep. for example. So let's say let, let's just say okay, that's ten thousand pieces. We'll just make keep the math simple. You are not getting another jacket made until you've ordered 10,000 more jackets. Yeah. And that is not happening within two weeks. You can't be like, I need this. If you've used all your fabric, you have to now make more fabric. Yeah. That takes 90 days. That's made in another country. That's made in China, Indonesia, Cambodia. Then it's shipped to the cut and sew factory in another Asian country. That's another 60 days fastest then you got to look at another 30 days you know to pack it to get it you know to have the quality control come in to see if anything has to be remade to have the qc then it's going to you know then it's trucked to the port then you're paying a shipping company to inspect it and make sure it's not heroin that you're freaking shipping over or that nobody has packed anything in, in your stuff because that's happened to people before that i know um they didn't even know or they said they didn't know uh, but <laughs> then that's going to see, then that's taking this amount of time. Then that's going to the port. Then you're paying customs. You're having to get harmonized codes, which is a nightmare. Right. HS codes. It is a nightmare, especially when you make stuff like I do. That's all sorts of different materials. This zipper is this, this is quarter. This is that you have a harmonized code. You're taxed differently on the components and the fabric. Cotton costs more than nylon. Polyester costs more than this. If it's a certain kind of jacket, it's, a sport jacket is less than a extreme outdoor jacket is less. I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. Right? So that's, that's something that's through customs, right? The harmonized code. That's our okay. customs. Yeah. Okay. So, so there's all that, <laughs> but most importantly of all that, what I wanted to get at is if you sell out of something, that's it. And it's done right in the U S there's hardly minimum order quantities. Okay. So, I can say to my guys, make 500 of this jacket. This is what we're going to sell to this government agency. They're going to say, what sizes do you want to make? The government agency is going to say, here's the sizes we want. Right. Within two weeks, I've got all of those zippers delivered for those sizes. And I've already got the fabric. That's done in a week. There's no harmonized code because it's already here in America. The fabrics were made in America. Everything's made here. There's not a crazy EIN and all this other stuff. Here's the UPC code. That's it. Boom. It's out the gate. 
I can literally do a, a social media campaign or a Google AdWord campaign or an EDM campaign where I give people different options of colors, of matte zippers, of shiny, you know, zippers and say, build your own jacket. You pre-order this and tell me your size and pay me. And you can have patches on this or not patches on this. You can have bog on this or nothing on this. You can have this, uh, uh, you know, su sublimated. You can have that, like literally yeah, yeah. do your own thing. Here's the options. You'll have it. It'll be done in two weeks. So That's honestly, awesome. if you do it smart, you can never sit on any inventory. As long as you're in agreement with your factory that they'll store your fabric, which every factory I've seen out here, and I've, 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 we're not just going to be using one cut and sew. I mean, we're using different different things for different, you know, knits, wovens, this and that. Um, all of them have a factory storage. All of them have a fabric and component storage facility. So that's awesome. That bro, like to me, that was the final selling point. I was so like, I not, can literally you're not sitting on time. There's no time frame. So if you sell out of the Helios jacket and you, you, you're literally what, what you just described to us as six to nine month process and um, umpteen up, up thousands of dollars for the MOQ, yeah. you now can, you now can pump that out and get it back on, on your distribution network, whatever that is in, in a couple of weeks. And so there's that, which is freaking incredible. I mean, that, that should sell anyone. Then if you're in an industry like mine where stuff's always evolving, you can say, we're gonna change to this cuff. We're gonna change on this next run. We're gonna take, we're gonna change this. We're gonna take this off. Right. We're, gonna, we're gonna make a lighter version. Um, that's a new jacket. You're making, you're, right. you're, you're making new garments within the same season. And you're selling people, they're, they're buying three, they're buying three, three of the same color jackets that are different jackets. Whereas coming from Asia, they'd have been buying only one. It, there was a possibility it would have been defective. It wouldn't have been made in America. And they'd be bugging you constantly of when you're going to make the next generation or when this is coming out. You literally can be hand to mouth. That's amazing. I never dreamed that was possible. Like I, I never, you know, doing this for over a decade. So, so our I, listeners, our listener entrepreneurs out there, whatever you're making, whether it's garments, uh, nuts, bolts, whatever <laughs> it is, do it in America. Do it in America. Yeah. You know, one thing that strikes me, you didn't even talk about is just the environmental impact. I mean, I can't, I know cargo ships are filthy and then I didn't even think about shipping the fabric from different countries to the country where it's sewn and then it's on a truck and it, I mean, just from an environmental standpoint, forget everything else you said, that's a massive impact. Just making stuff in a factory, almost made to order. Right. So yeah. I'm sure there's a lot less waste. So you're not wasting fabric. You're not shipping stuff around the world on a dirty cargo ship. It's not idling out in the LA Harbor for 90 days or whatever it is. Um, I mean, that alone should make people buy American. It's just, I mean, there's so many other benefits, but just, the environmental impact is minimal. It's incredible. I mean, it's awesome. Our factory, our factory is zero emissions. Yeah, even better. Yeah, yeah. Zero emissions, recycled plastic packaging, um, recycled materials. It's all of that's here. I mean, all of that's here. People have followed the bandwagon of outsourcing to make bigger margins. 
but people haven't looked. Those who have looked and realized we can, you know, it's a wash. Yeah. And I mean, Triple Lot Design is a perfect example. They're my competitor. Like they're truly a competitor. The size business they are, they're not a better known business, but the gear they make. Um, and I'd always wondered, like, how are these guys doing these small runs? Like they'll always be like coming out, like dropping this in three weeks, this, this, and, yeah. like, and now I realize because I'm doing it. I'm like, oh, this is how they do it. You're literally driving to the factory, driving to the fabric mill, my camo printing mill um is literally 45 minutes in a different direction and the best insulator insulation i've ever seen our Terex uses them patagonia uses them socom uses them it's called clima shield hmm. and instead of prima loft or an artificial down it's a thermal filler it's called clima shield right. and it's in clinton tennessee it's 15 minutes from where i'm sitting right now ah that's awesome so it's awesome. Like, I mean, yeah, it's all here. Like we've got j jackets coming out now. I've taken the old Wooby and I'm doing a cigar jacket that doesn't bell out, that's fitted, that has tactical pockets, packs into itself into a sleeping bag. Um, oh, I'm buying one of yeah, those. I still have, I still my, sleep my with my Wooby. We're calling that the cigar jacket. And then I'm taking the black sleeping bag that we had. Yeah. I'm doing the dumbbell stitch pattern in that. I'm putting Climate Shield in it. It'll take you to negative 40 degrees. Really? And I'm putting a liner in between the stitch side with the dumbbell pattern, just because I love that dumbbell pattern. It's like our military style. You know, you see all these like Patagonia jackets with a little rectangle down puffy. And I'm like, nah, I want the dumbbell pattern. That's our military pattern, you know? Yeah. Um, so I'm doing those. And then I'm putting the Astraeus fabric on the top breastplates and around to the top back so that you have a windproof, waterproof, hard, you know, hard top. Yeah, and so you have chest and back, yeah. yeah, chest and, and back plate, chest pockets, front pockets, and obviously the Velcro straps, and then cinches on the bottom, and basically your protected collar. And we're calling that the Raider jacket. So we can That'll sit. So I can sit in a hunting blind for days, regardless. For days, of, dude. Yeah. For days, and then you can pack it into a pillow and, and rest on it. Now you remember when we're issued gear? How there's a one? It, it's the same in every piece of gear. It's a rectangle tag. Yeah, a little OD green tag. There. That's it. It's not branding or anything, and it says like Apex jacket, cold weather. You know. Ah, that's cool. That's cool. And, and yada yada yada. That's what I'm doing on every new garment. It's going to say Proteus jacket, components made in America, fabric made in America. I love it. Garment 100% made in America, Vogue Global. Yeah, and we're doing that for everybody who's served. That's going to see that and be like, dude, I am identifying as that because basically. I created Vogue to make gear better than what I was issued. And 20 years later, when the military is making pretty rad stuff, I mean, this, the three layers sick, the seven layers sick, the new sleeping system is sick. Oh yeah. My, my son was on FaceTime with me when he was packing his gear and dude, the stuff he Dude, the yeah. stuff he has, I had that huge, <laughs> I remember going to Bosnia and they gave me this huge sleeping bag that weighed like 45 pounds and you had to, you had to like tie it to the top of your rock and it stuck up and over your head. Down. Yeah. And, and it was it, like two sleeping bags inside of one. That yeah. never, I had the same one that never shut. Yeah. Uh, it was, yeah it was if ridiculous. it got wet, you were screwed. Like it, you were screwed. Yeah. 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 
I know guys that were in Bosnia got their sleeping bags got wet and they, for a year, they stayed wet. They never dried out, you know, yeah, like, and, oh, it's unbelievable. And stunk. Yeah. It's got wet and stunk. Yeah. Um, but so not, you know, just for our story as a brand, it's like, you know, we set off to make better gear for the warrior. And now we're getting to bring it back to the top tier factory. That's making the top tier gear for the warrior and bring a civilian and different government line into it. So like, to me, it's like, I, I, I'm a visual person. Like I'm a design guy and I love to tell, like, I'm a storyteller. I really like to, you know, I'm, 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 I'm charismatic and passionate about things I care about because yep, I love yep. people. I like, you know, I love the human connection. Um, and to me, it's always a, it's a story that makes me buy into a brand. Like that's why I buy black rifle coffee. Yeah. Oh yeah. Good people, do, people do business with people they like. I tell everybody that when I hire people, yeah. when I work with people, and it doesn't matter what we're talking about. People do business yeah. with people they like. That's why we have more than one car dealership in town. That's why we have more than one clothing brand. It's coffee brand, whatever it is, but you, you buy for, for who you like, who, who, you know, what who you what, like, and who you like yeah. and what you connect with. You know, yeah. What you, what you connect with, what the backstory is, you know, I, I mean, it, I mean, it could go all the way down to the moral compass of the the founder of the company. I mean, I know guys, I got a guy in my office that won't eat uh Chick-fil-A because of certain things and, you know, and and that's his right. I'm not, I'm not bagging on him. He, he can choose to eat whatever damn chicken sandwich he wants, but I mean, it, it goes all, that's why I eat. Chick-fil-A. Well, I would agree with you. That's why I like Chick-fil-A. I, I don't eat a ton of fast food, but the, but I mean, all the way down to the moral compass of the, yeah. the guy that, you know, the founding company of Chick-fil-A, people are affected by that. You yeah. know, well, let me ask you this, you know, you said earlier that you were going to shift more to government contracts, but I mean, your, your gear was awesome even before all this. So, I mean, it, it seems like now you have an even more compelling story to, to sell to, to civilians. I mean, is there a reason um, what am I trying to say? Like everything no, you said it. is incredible. Yeah. No, I, I guess I won't ask the right question, but um, it seems like now you'd have more of a reason to focus on the civilian market because you have not, like I said, not that you didn't have a good story before, but everything you're talking about, the American manufacturing, it, it hits home, especially now. So, I mean, is there a reason why you, you decided to focus more on government versus civilian? Cause I, I think, I mean, your story is incredible. I, I think it'd be a home run, you know? It's going to be expensive gear. Okay. Um, and I'm all about the government. I'm all about taking money from the government. Okay. Good answer. <laughs> um, now, I, honestly, when you're looking at everything that we make for the government, um, I'm going to offer to civilians. Okay. And I'm going to, we have a big EDM, you know, email direct marketing. We've got a bit of a cult following. Um, we're going to be putting out mini series behind the scenes, um, you know, on what we do. I have a very good relationship with Optics Planet, Camp Saver, Venor. Okay. Um, they've got 8 million people in their EDM. They do about 600 million turnover a year. Okay. Um, they're brilliant in as that they own Venor, which is like the original Optics Planet, which okay. is kind of its own wholesale prime distributor, but it sells to veterans instead of having to be a prime. Optics Planet, obviously optics for your 2A, you know, right. kind of, conservatives and then they own camp saver which is more patagonia kind of a little bit more left Interesting. so they've cornered the market they own their you know they own their their yeah. 
competitors, and then they had the, you know, they, they own both ends of the aisle. So they're buying every stitch of inventory that I have right now that's made in Asia, all of it, everything. Wow. Okay. Like now, like right now. So there will be nothing on the website. Um, I will be revamping and everything is going to be made in the USA. The size charts are going to be different. Um, this was a big fear of mine because I thought, God, how am I going to keep this inventory that I still need to sell that I love where the sizes are extra, extra small to only extra large and every single large and extra large is sold out and has been sold out. Um, you know, am I going to run these campaigns just for women? Um, because that's who's buying. That's who we made extra, extra small and small for. I mean, right. that's really, really small. Like, are we going to do a teenage line and put this out for like, you know, young adolescent men? I mean, all of these things I'm thinking about, how am I going to clear that inventory? They love it. They have, we've sold so well on all their platforms. They were like, we told them we're, we're making new inventory. It's going to be a different price range for them and everything. And they were like, well, then can we buy everything that you have right now? Everything. Oh, wow. Good for you. And, and we were like, yeah, dude, we'll, we'll work out the right price. You guys. Hold on. Hold on. Let me think about that. Can I call you back? Uh, I love it. Hey, I mean, I tell you what, this is funny, but I had nothing to do with that. That was all my CFO. I wasn't even on the call. I wasn't even on the email chain. Um, and he's a numbers going, guy. I was going to say, going back to having the right person in place. I mean, right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they're like, literally that was last week or two weeks ago. So when you, when I say like, I'm not going to be selling on the website civilian, it will be in arenas where civilians can buy it. Okay. Um, it just, I won't be selling it. You won't be gotcha. buying it from, from the blog website. Um, I will run pre-orders like we were talking about okay. and I'll probably do some funky stuff that won't be on optics planet, like new camos. Like I was showing you guys earlier, the new camos that we've made that are properly, I, I don't want to say our old ones weren't tactical, but they, with all the eyes in the bird head, it was rad ass camo, but it was still fashiony. Right. The stuff we're doing now is like proper operator. Just, you know, you, you you're invisible. Um, you know, different colors, different dissipation and different blotting. And my camo designers here, my graphic design studio is here. So dude, it's, it's just, everything is within, you know, the farthest, the farthest thing is the fabric. So that's a two and a half hour drive in North Carolina, which still isn't anything. Um, yeah. and again, talking about it being a wash and, and, and what you save, like I was spending, you know, when I had to travel and really go visit all my factories and do the initial, you know, pick the fabrics, do this, you know, it was a 25 to $50,000 a month on plane tickets, hotels, um, paying for new visas to enter that country. And you're flying to four different countries within that month. And you're staying in a hotel for each week. I mean, it's, you know, that stuff really adds up being in the States where you are in a car <laughs> driving. Yeah. You know, maximum two and a half hours and driving you get back your, to your you get your and chick -fil -A back your, and head to north carolina and driving back to your home like yeah. going home back to your you know your family yeah. so it's um it's i i don't know if it's just because i've lived overseas for so long um but i had no idea that you though i i just i didn't realize you could do this in the states and i will say this 
every freaking week I'm learning about a new mega factory like Greenville Spartanburg, massive, massive tech community and massive fabric community. Columbia, South Carolina, same thing. Um, you know, it's, it's just wild how much is in the States and very soon we'll see just stuff exploding in a good way, not in a Putin shooting yeah. nukes way, like in a, <laughs> in, 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 in a commerce way. And sadly enough, I mean, under Trump, we were energy, you know, we were independent. <laughs> we were selling, more, yeah. we, we have more oil than anyone, <laughs> than anyone on the planet. And we were selling it. And now we're buying what, 600,000 barrels of oil a day from Russia. So, you know, we can, we can easily be isolationists and it doesn't make you a white supremacist to say, I want to make my country great. It makes you a patriot and it makes you, you know, someone who cares about your freaking. The, the, yeah, the only race the, I really care about is, is American. <laughs> the, the country. Yeah. Right. The, the country I care about is the one that I served and that's who we serve first. And we, you know, we, we, we protect our borders. We protect our people. Yeah. Um, and, and, and with any other resources we can, you know, we, we help the greater world. And that you know that, that doesn't make you anything but someone loyal to the, to the country you're already paying taxes to. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, the world has kind of taken a weird turn since we last talked, hasn't it? <laughs> I mean, it's oh, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, it, it's I it, honestly, dude. I, and I was, I have a one of my investors um, and a dear friend of mine just found out that he has stage four brain cancer. I mean, ah. he's dead. I mean, he's gone. Like he could, he could be gone any day now. Yeah. I don't, I don't think he'll make it another month. Um, Sorry to hear that. It's, it's crazy. I mean, it, he's such a badass. you know, he's in his early fifties. He's a triathlete. I mean, the dude's my size with shaved head. I mean, and he just doesn't smoke, doesn't drink, just pure athlete, you know, great dad. Um, and an investor, like he's an, he's an investment guy. He runs other people's investments. Um, he's not afraid at all. He's a follower of Christ, but it's just, it's wild going from what are we working on? Like, what's the next project? God, this is so important. No, I, sorry, honey. I can't come see the kids right now. I can't come to that tournament. I've just got to focus on this. I've got to focus on this. And he was never like that. I mean, he's always been family first, do this and this. I've too many times been like, especially overseas, I got to fly here. I got to do this. I'm paying the bills. You like that car. You like that Chanel purse. Like, you know, you, you like that, you know, you like the limit on your credit card. So just, you know, bugger off and let me do my thing. Um, and we talked about this on the last podcast. That's how I was before I got sober. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I, I look at him and his life and just thinking, wow, like this guy way before he was a shareholder in my company, he, he was a friend. Um, and I think about like, what are we doing with our time? Because right now he can't give a fuck about his share in my company. He's thinking I've got this limited time left. What do I do with it? I messaged him and was like, bro, I just, I love you. I'm praying for you. Um, like I, I don't, I don't know what else to say. Like you can cry on my shoulder. I'm here. Like, tell me anything I can do for you and I'll do it. Um, and he's just like, dude, I'm good. Like I'm enjoying my kids and you know, I'm just gonna, and all that really matters in the end of it is Christ has died and Christ has risen and Christ will come again. That's it. If we don't believe that man, it's a, it's a, it's a scary existence. Like if we believe this is it and this is all, then 
go to the metaverse. Like, yeah, I mean, seriously, like define your, you know, tell you be, be into the, the puppy love. Like if this is it, seriously, like if this is it and, and this is all that matters, like that's a, it's a scary place to be. Um, so, you know, when you say this country is going this direction and it's going that, I mean, empires rise, empires fall. I think we have hope. Um, yeah. I, I think that um, before any before anything astronomical falls and, and the pendulum's done swinging, it, w- there will either be a revolution or a wake up. I pray it's a wake up. Yeah, me too. Uh, if it's a revolution, it, it'll probably be the easiest revolution ever fought because there's one group of people that train and are armed. And, and I don't say that like in a threatening way because I love everybody, but it's just, you know, when, when push comes to shove, like, canceling people on social media platforms and saying things on comments won't, won't get you anywhere when, you know, well, whoever meets the road and you're actually fighting. You just defined, you just defined the whole reason why uh, certain political uh, sides or whatever push to get rid of the second amendment. You just right, defined, yeah, you just defined I mean, you take yeah. away, you take the way the ability to defend yourself against the government. Now the government is the end all. So it's, you know. Crush the nuclear family, make any kind of masculinity toxic, make any kind of, you know, foundational structure of bond, community, church. You know, it was by no, it was, it was by no mistake that strip clubs were open um, during but COVID. But you couldn't go to church. But you couldn't go to church. Right? Yeah. You, couldn't, you couldn't meet and, and talk about things that were really going on and Quite frankly, like the Chinese government, it was, you can't have faith in God over the government. We, we're we God. We're the government. You know, this whole yeah. push, this whole New World Order, this whole Klaus Schwab deal is trying to get people to appease to a neo-communist, neo-Marxist regime, a one world order. They, they, they see what China's doing. They see how successful China is. And they want it. Why? Because it's power. Yeah, it's complete All- power. That's it. It's not, I, I say it's a neo-communist. I mean, it, it's, it's ultimate power ultimately corrupts. Like yeah. it's, it's the oldest story in the book. And it's when, when you can rule people by this China, that you have WeChat, you pay with WeChat. You have a social score. If the government's mad at you, if you're saying bad stuff, if you're communicating with people on this, your social score drops, then you can't, get to the train that you, you can't travel on the train this far you can't move they finally confined you into your own little fema camp your own little quarantine so you know we sorry to get way way off topic you started it um <laughs> but um yeah sorry but, you know we we well i was gonna say you know the the push oddly enough and I think it's failing. I mean, Zuckerberg lost, what was it, 280 billion or 380 billion? It was the biggest market loss in, in a day in, in history. Um, something was, like that. Yeah. You know, I, was, I was very happy to see it. So I can't, you know, I, I, I just, I can't stand them. I, I can't quite, I can't stand him and I, and I can't stand the, what he's built. Um, but it, it's interesting seeing NFTs. It's interesting to me seeing, you know, Hearing, listening to, to, to people so engulfed in the scam of cryptocurrency and saying, you don't understand, this is in the ether, like we're untraceable, untouchable. And it's like, w- sorry, where did you get your 12 words again? Yeah. <laughs> like what, where, where was it sent to you that where you screenshotted it and printed it from, from the magic elves? 
no, you don't understand. It's from the blockchain. It's like it's in the cloud. And I'm like, oh, it's in the cloud. I'm in the U.S. again. I have AT&T. I don't even bother with a VPN because I, I, I went with the one that I knew had the best coverage to completely watch me and listen to everything I said. Like Snowden said, like, that's a fact. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and then it's, it, it, it's, it's, well, you know, there are companies right now where if you lose your 12 words, they'll help you find them for part of your wallet. Yeah. What does that tell you? Yeah. Someone's connected with the gnomes in the store. I mean, it's, you know, but it's the same, the same logic as, as these NFTs and this private, you know, this private new individual, not, you know, not regulated being in the ether and, and literally trying to get people into a metaverse where they can spend imaginary money to live imaginary lives and, and be imaginary avatars of their own thing. And it's literally inviting you to be put into the matrix. Now, this yeah. is way off topic. And no, let's go going, for it. We're, we're going to go up there a little bit. But when I look and think about AI and I listen to Elon Musk and I listen to Lex Friedman and I think about some of the divisiveness and I think about <laughs> algorithms and how we're watched and what we're doing, I mean, that to me is... Uh, <laughs> Now, and you can say, well, what do you think about aliens or what do you think about this? What do you think, you know, because um, I had this conversation with a, with a guy the other night that's, that's, that's a, new, a new Christian, but had been very anti-Christian for a long time until he met some followers of Christ that were actually following Christ and being very good stewards with their resources without flying a Jesus flag and judging and ostracizing people. And he was like, I don't want to say the word Christian anymore. I'm just going to stay followers of Christ. Because there's a, to him, there's a difference. What a it's unique, like, what a unique concept. <laughs> Christian, when you one, don't have, when you don't have to, the body of Christ. Yeah, yeah when you, you don't have to fly your uh, your flag, so everybody knows. I I laugh, man, because I, I have I have a very, I'm a Christian. I struggle just like everybody else to, to, to follow in the true footsteps of Christ. Okay. But I have a very, I'm hung up personally, man, on organized religion and in the social aspect of, Hey, I'm a Christian, but look at me, look at me because I did this. Look at me. Cause I, you know, because I am, I'm flying that Jesus flag and it's, it's in every, it's in every religion and it's in every, every, you know, corner of the earth, man. But it's like, I, I just, I go, you just defeated the whole purpose. You just defeated the whole purpose of Christianity right, right. by yeah, yeah. Yeah, taking that spotlight and going, Hey, look how good I am. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, uh, and, yeah. I mean, Christ says, he says, you know, if you pray, pray in private, if you fast, don't walk around gnashing your teeth, drawing attention. If you give, give in private, the minute you give in public and the minute you show what you gave, you've gotten your blessings from men and you won't, you're, it's done. I'm not blessing that. Like you could say you could have given it yeah. to the church, but the minute you say I'm giving this to the church, you've, you've, you've killed it. You know, the minute you're out there, you know, praying and, and to be seen as a spectacle, um, you've killed it. Right. Yeah, but, well, he and I were talking about like the Sumerian empires, the Aztec, the Mayans, the, you know, hieroglyphics, the, the, you know, the, the Byzantine empire, and I mean, he was going deep. He was going to like the book of Enoch and where it says, you know, even in the flood stories where it's Noah and the, the Nephrim were the angels that were the giants of the land that slept with right. men, slept with women and had these, you know, had these, these children and everything. And, and 
he was saying, what do you think about like, you know, the earth being 6,000 years old and Christians say that and Christians say we're the only life and there's nothing else outside of this. And I was like, bro, I mean, I, I can't even have conversations with him. Yeah. So like anyone who, who, who says they don't believe in aliens, but says they believe in angels and demons. It, it's like, what, what's an angel and a demon? It's a freaking alien. Like, they're, they're not, do you see yeah. them? Are they like, is heaven here? Is it behind that warehouse? Like in, in that part of Hollywood? Like, come on. Do, yeah. Do I've think- always said, I've always said, if you truly believe in the Bible, okay. Mm-hmm. That it, that God is the ultimate scientist, you know, because the science community gets rid of, they try to defunct religion and the real religious people try to defunct the science. But in my opinion, God is the ultimate scientist, right. you know, right. the, the, the things we read in the Bible may be, you know, um, I mean, I don't even want to get into it, but you know, the things no, that no, no, I'm with you, I'm, I, I, I'm with you. you translated. Know, I, yeah, oddly enough, it's it's been kind of devout Catholics, and I'm not a, I'm I'm Presbyterian. I mean, dude, look, I'll say I'm a follower of Christ. Like, I hate break, I hate religions. Like, I, I, you know, my pastor at church the other day was it was so beautiful. He was saying about baptism. He was like, "We're Scottish Presbyterian. We baptize babies." You know, obviously, a baby hasn't come to you and said, "I understand the atonement, reconciliation, right. sanctification. I can do this." And he's like, "Other churches." baptize adults that have been through a class and it's just not and he's like neither are wrong and these are things that we can figure out when we're all in heaven together um if, if we even still care like yeah. but if our only goal is to bring each other to heaven we should not be arguing about things like this that don't matter we should be feeding the poor we should be witnessing to the prisoners we should be feeding the freaking needy and like, we, we, you know, we, we can argue about this stuff later, but none of it matters. He said, everyone's yeah. welcome in this house of worship. And I thought, wow, that's, I can't believe that even needs to be said, but it did need to be said. Like, you know, that we, that we, we argue over these Nancy fancy things, what you were, but I, I found that Catholics can cart, you know, compartmentalize and make sense out of, no, the Big Bang Theory is real, and that is scientific, and that's exactly what Genesis says. In the beginning, there was light. Like, you know, and they're just automatically like, no, this is how this makes sense, and this makes sense. And, it, you know, creation gives us science, and science tries to explain creation. And it's yeah, it's hand in hand. Um, I agree. I agree with that 100%. Looking at, the, at all of the, like, Sanskrit and everything else, though, and even, you know, in the Bible, where it's, he came down, they came down in this flaming chariot or David in Psalms where it's, and the beast came out of the sky or rose out of the sea and it had, was shooting lightning bolts and this. It's like, dude, it's a spaceship. <laughs> give me a, give yeah, me I've a, always said, I've always said too, when, that, when, when you read in the Bible and, and a prophet is prophesizing about a vision. Yeah, he's, he's prophesizing about a vision that he saw of the future. I've, I've thought, I've always said too, like, okay, so prophet A is talking about, you know, birds of the sky with crazy whirlwind, blah, blah, blah. I go, how do you know he wasn't seeing helicopters? How does a guy in, you know, 1 AD describe a helicopter? He doesn't say helicopter. He exactly goes, you know, like that. Yeah, exactly big bug, like lightning yeah. shooting out of its ass. You know, like, that, yeah, yeah, that's exactly. what it is, you know? Well, and like, when you look at the, you know, when you look at the actual drawings, it's this thing coming from the sky, yeah, landing, something getting out, 
And then magically learning how to build the pyramids or learning how to build this or learning how to build this or learning how to do this. And it's, if we believe we're created in God's image and we are a learning species, he's the tech master. Like, yeah. the, you know, the, the, these angels don't have wings. They're not bur- like coming down. It's they're coming down in, the, in proper suits. And, and that's what always tweaks me out about AI. Because it's like, that's when I think, okay, this is the weirdest, slipperiest slope because we've tapped in with our cognitive minds how to create something that is smarter than us and eventually won't need us. And it's, you know, that's where I, that's where I'm like, man, we can't explain omnipresent, omnipotent, our minds can't understand. We, we can't fathom, you know, God is eternal. Well, what's he been doing all that time? Well, there isn't time. Like, it's yeah, not yeah. Yeah. what's he, you know, and we're just like, well, but, oh, oh, that's weird. Heaven's for eternity. So, whoa, you know, and, and we're, we're, tr- but we're creating something that doesn't have a bandwidth. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like, it's it's almost as if ai is going to replace i mean you've on a long enough time scale you think about it human beings may just be another species that go extinct right because if the way technology is advancing right and you you said it earlier talking about ai i mean there are ais now that are writing programs that are replicating themselves like there are robots that are building robots autonomously yeah and that that's happening now well that's the matrix what what do we become food yeah maybe we're body heat like our energy for them with our core body temperature with our heat so it's you know well what's interesting too is when you talk about you know the bible and you know aliens and stuff i almost feel like we're seeing that again you know you've seen these videos of these these craft that are flying around san diego and it's like they're moving in such a way that can't be explained right and there have been enough of them that it's like well Okay, we have no way to explain how some craft can go from sea level to eighty thousand feet instantly. Yeah, and you know somebody explained it on a show I was listening to, and they basically said, "Well, maybe we're thinking about it the wrong way. Maybe these crafts are actually warping time, and that we're perceiving it to be instantaneous, but someone somewhere figured out how to change time or how to manipulate time, and maybe that's how they can travel from God knows where." right? They're not actually traveling the distance. They're actually just manipulating the universe. And on an infinite time scale, somebody's going to figure it out, right? So it's... It well, really then, makes, I mean, you also, you think about like realms, like, and it's in, it's, it's in the Bible. We are living like, you know, we don't, uh, we don't struggle against flesh and blood, but against, you know, principalities right. in the darkness and in the heavenly places on earth and in the heavenly places. So you know, it, it, what was it? Interstellar, that movie with Matthew McConaughey was pretty interesting when it went down that wormhole and you're seeing him in the room in right. a different realm in the phase. You you think about mediums that are connected with the demonic that really can tell fortunes and that really can, you know, speak to the dead or that really can see demons. You know, it's not that like they're paranoid schizophrenic. It's like they're tapped into that other realm that is here and that is all around us at all point at all times. So, you know, 
I, I, you know, it, it, it fascinates me. I, I look at all of this, all of these UFOs that, you know, I, Israel, Japan, and the United States are basically like, yeah, they're real. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's yeah. like, we're going to release all this, but um, you can just find it on YouTube anyway. So <laughs> right. <laughs> enough, enough people are, are seeing this and it's the same thing. I mean, I think that governments, I, I think there's two reasons that they don't want to release everything they have. Number one, it shows they're not all, the all-powerful government. There's something that they don't have control of that can you know, destroy them at any point in time. There, there's, the, you know, they, they're not saying, hey, meet this alien and it's going to interview or trading rare earth minerals and, you know, puppy love videos. It's like, the, you puppy know. Love. Yeah, puppy love. <laughs> That's going to be my new rap name, puppy, puppy love. love. Yeah, PL, Papa PL. But, um, and, and, and also, if there's something bigger and more powerful than our governments, that's going to unite humanity. Yeah. And the minute human beings are like, I'm not Chinese anymore. I'm not American anymore. I'm not, I'm a human with you. Like there's something else from out there. We're earthlings. That's what we are. <laughs> this is our planet. I don't care about this government. I don't care. I'm not paying taxes to you. You don't own this. This isn't your land. Like, how are you going to protect yourself? How are, you know, can we trade with it? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. All of a sudden you're an earthling and not a Canadian, you know? So I, I think there's, I think I, in my humble opinion, I mean, I, I would think those are two reasons that it's like, we can't let the cat out of the bag. A lot of people, I always hear, well, it's going to destroy religion and it's going to collapse religion. I mean, if anything, to me, it confirms <laughs> confirms religion it confirms the creator it convert you know it confirms that we're not what's well, an ai no aliens yeah oh, I mean, no, AI, no ai i don't know i mean ai just scares me it's almost like us turning so far from god and our creator i was gonna say ai it's is almost becoming like becoming a religion oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, well, yeah I mean, you know to me ai is almost a punishment of like like the tower of babel oh that yeah that's a great that's a it's great like, comparison. You know, it's like, okay, you really want to try to build Pandora's box and be me? See how that works out for you. Because, yeah. you know, like you said, when something can outwork you and it doesn't need you and it doesn't have a lifespan, yeah. and it begins to create itself, like, you're a, an ape. We become monkeys. We become yeah, that's chicken. true. You know, that's we true. Chicken. So, yeah, the alien thing is always, you know, you get a lot of people on both sides of that aisle from, you know, what I'll call the religious aisle and the scientific aisle, you know, whether, but I always said it, we are completely naive. If, if of all the stars and all the billions and eons and extensions of universe, if you sit on this planet and you say with the knowledge of evolution and whether you're uh, the scientific nut that hates religion or a religious nut that hates science, you are the most naive idiot on the planet to say that we are the only life form. We're it. We're, We're it. it. This is it. This is it. Yeah. Of all the stars. We all, landed, we all landed here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to be completely naive to say, you know, I don't know if they're green guys with uh, big heads or if they're, they look like us or it's just other life form in a different, you know, a different uh, evolution of, of their planet or whatever right i don't know nobody knows but to say we're it we're the best that's it 
nobody else is out there. That's that's that to me. I just don't buy that. No, I'm with you. That is, as my late mother would say, cruising for bruising. Yeah, you sound <laughs> stupid. <laughs> well, I think since we've solved all the world's problems and now we're getting into religion and aliens, which is an unanswerable question. I think that's probably a good place to end because we've kept you way past our scheduled time. And I want to be respectful of your, of your time. Dude, I, I want to have you on every six months, man. I just absolutely <laughs> enjoy talking it. to you. Man. I'm game guys. I love, love y'all. Let's do it. I'm, I'm game Sweet. as hell. We'll, we'll know, uh, we'll know if the aliens are possibly here in the next six months. Well, well I think we, I, I actually think we have an alien running our country right now. He's, <laughs> he's just from the wrong planet. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if he's an alien, we have nothing to fear. So <laughs> except, fear, except fear itself and an endless supply of depends diapers uh, for, the, for, uh, for them when they invade. All, we, we literally know if they ever invade, we just, you know, put up freaking explosive ice cream. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, just oh, right get in, some man. chocolate ice cream. We're I good. Right in, did did you hear him? I, I know we're trying to close this out, but did you hear the 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 state of the? Yeah, are you serious, dude? Uh, he gives a statement about the the free world, and then he he says we we stand <laughs> with the Iranian people. Come on, man. Solidarity. You got to be better than that. Yeah, come on, president of the United States, Ukrainian. And what was up with Nancy Pelosi's little wrist rub dance? I don't know. Her, she was losing her blood circulation or something in her mummified body. I mean, come on, man. We have to here's, be hey, better. Here's something funny. Here's, here's something that just kind of, uh, you know, this, this is something funny to end on. Like, there were, there were recently a trade tracker on Hillary Clinton and Nancy Pelosi showing every trade that they were making, shorts, longs, everything. People started following it and making so much money. This is recently, like, you can look this up. This is like within, they, they closed these, they banned, they shut down the trade trackers of Hillary and Nancy Pelosi because people were making peasants like us, just normal people. Right, you know, they're right. Peasants, the serfs, were making so much money that they said it was insider trading. That it was insider trading when it was us <laughs> trading. Following, following the two people who control everything. Yeah. Unbelievable. Well, our Unbelievable. elected leaders. So, you know, it's um maybe we maybe we need maybe we should embrace the aliens. We'll we'll see what happens. But as long as they buy Vogue and as long as they buy American. That, uh, let's end well. on that. That's perfect. Buy Vogue. Much buy better. American. Cool. Well, David, thanks so much for being here. It was awesome. As always, we'll keep doing this because I know everybody loves you. Uh, been a great conversation as always. We are so excited to see the next chapter of Vogue and what you're doing. So uh, our deepest thanks to you and uh, to your family. Welcome back to America. It's been a while, but uh, thanks again. Uh, so I'll sign off for the night. So for Ben, for David, this is Brian signing off for the uh, Nothing Ode podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. We will we'll talk to you all soon. Bye everybody. <laughs>